Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my majestic universe. This is the Pro Wrestling Zone Podcast, a majestic production, where you will hear the news and reviews of everything professional wrestling with a twist. You have never heard another pro wrestling podcast like this. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And without further ado, let me introduce to you your hosts of the Pro Wrestling Zone, Tiger Height and Peanut Gallery. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Zone Podcast. This is episode number 10. I am Tiger Height, your host with the most, and my co-host, Pena Gallery. What up? And we're going to be talking about a lot of things as a part of professional wrestling this week. I'm all wrestled out for the week. I, I don't think I can handle a lot more, but I am still... The majestic champion of the world. With the last match of Bound for Glory. So our first show, we're talking about King of Pro Wrestling. Where I won. And then Bound for Glory, where you retained by one match. And that's all that matters, bitch. This is true. You you could have tied or won, and you won. Yep. So I owe you a drink. Yes, but, you do. But... With the first show, let's talk about King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, let's talk about how I had attained the glory that is the majestic champion of the world after now, a month. Now, due to the typhoon conditions of what's happening in Japan and our prayers and thoughts go to the families affected with the typhoon, I think like over a thousand people have been confirmed to pass away over the course of this typhoon, uh-huh. and it's tragic. Okay, let's move on. Zack Sabre Jr. and John Moxley were unable to appear at the show. And with that, John Moxley has been stripped of the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. But that does not mean that there wasn't a United States Championship match. Let's go into our first match which was the return of El Desperado in Yushinabo Kanemaru versus Rapungi 3K, where it was a Pinicoso, I believe is how you pronounce it, which is El Desperado's finisher. It was actually a really good it was a really opening good match. match. It, it, was, was a it was a really good match. It was pretty decent. It, it got the crowd riled up, which is what you needed. The Rapungi 3K are a great tag team. Oh, yeah. But El Desperado has some great heat. The, right. Both of these two. Now, was this one of those matches that was changed as a result of the Typhoon? Yes. Yes, it was. It was originally a six-person tag, right? Zack Sabre Jr. Right. was originally involved in this match. Right. But obviously he wasn't because of reasons. Yep. Because Typhoons. Yep. Yeah. Our next match, which is the most violent players, which is Togi Makabe and Toro Yano versus Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tomo Akihoma. Which, this was the anniversary of the 20 years of Hiroshi Tanahashi. Him being in a tag team match, I thought was a wasted opportunity. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't very good. 
it wasn't a good match. But I think the right winners were involved. Yes. Which was Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tomo Akihoma. Oh, absolutely. Hi-Fi Flow to win. Not a no, like not the most garbage match in the world. But it was definitely a sleeper match. Right. This was like, like, like it was definitely tentacles in the bathroom kind of match. Oh, absolutely, definitely. Yeah. And Hiro, if it was any other wrestler than Hiroshi fucking Tanahashi, I'd have accepted. Right. He should have main evented this show if this was his twenty-year match. Right. He should have faced Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. It would have been fine. Eh, you know, it is what it is. Anyways, okay. third so, match. Doki and Taichi versus Los Ignobles de Japón. Los Ignobles de Japón. Which is Tetsuya Naito and Shingo Tagaji, who is now a member of the heavyweight division, so this is all heavyweight. Right. Where it is, was. It was, again, so, it was an okay match. It wasn't like a. It was, it was a, a microphone to Shingo for a disqualification. Yeah. But they're really building Taichi to a really good match against Tetsuya Naito. Right. Um, I'm not sure if that was confirmed for Wrestle Kingdom. Nope. Okay, good. Because that'd be really disappointing for Tetsuya Naito to be not in a championship match of some kind. Right. Well, I don't. You know, who knows? Taichi is awesome. Yeah. He really showed his stuff and also, oh, man, his valet. Woo. I mean, I'm telling you, my little fucking Pearl Harbor was ready to be bombed with her shit. I'm just telling you. What? What? what, what wow. Too soon. Too soon. Okay. I guess that was really some. Our parents weren't even born then. I guess that was some really bombshell news. Wow. Okay. Talk about too soon. But now, Pearl Harbor jokes aside, this was not a bad tag team no. match. I think this was one of the matches affected with the. Yes, it was originally a. It was. It was a. It was a. It was a typhoon. What did I say? It's a tsunami. This was originally going to be a six-man tag team match, I think, and then this got... No. Or was it supposed to be a singles match? I'm not sure. No, this was a six-man, and then it was another six-man. Right. But with the absences, they decided to make them tag team right. separately. Yes. That's how it was. Right. And then, obviously, the Moxley match we'll talk about here in a minute... But this match was important to Ooh, where this was a really this act this match was actually not bad at all. I was pissed. This should have been the Wrestle Kingdom match. Oh. Minoru Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki and Jushin Thunder Liger. We'll see what I This should have been the motherfucking retirement match for for Jushin Thunder Liger. Who are they gonna put in this match? Well, Jushin Thunder Liger apparently is going to be in a tag team match. Unless he... Well, he's going to be in the match for January 4th. But what about the 5th? I don't know. The only other match that could make sense is against Will Ospreay for the Junior Heavyweight Champion. That's it. What other match would make sense at this point? God, just stop. Man, they'll come up with something for Jushin Thunder Liger's retirement match. I'm sorry, Jushin Thunder Liger is although although honestly all in all professional. Although honestly, this match was probably one of my favorites the whole night. Oh, it was a really good. It was really good. 
don't get me wrong. This this was a great match, but let me preface this. This should have been on January motherfucking fifth. You know, why don't you shut the fuck up? The only match that would make sense at this point due to the next match would be a junior heavyweight championship match. I mean, yeah, I think that's is, I think not, I think he, I think that's what they're building up for. Which would be fine. Yeah. I think they're building but up for fucking it. announce it. <laughs> well, no. You know you know what? You know what? Fuck you. Hang All right. On. Hold on. Hang on. I have notes. Okay. No, all he wants to do is and all he wants to do is Okay, I'm, SJW I'm, this shit up to the walls. But let's just say, uh, Minoru Suzuki won this match and he bowed to Jushin Thunder Liger, which I thought okay. was awesome. Again, again, this is New Japan Pro Wrestling. They probably have something even better for Jushin Thunder Liger. I know. <laughs> so shh shh This isn't like WWE. I know, but here, here's the next match. Will Ospreay and El Phantasmo. That was this match was really good. That that was, oh my god, that was a great match. Can Will Ospreay or El Phantasmo have a bad match? Nope. Like, even even them together had a really good nope. match. Nope. But if, if the now rumors are true and Jushin Thunder Liger faces Will Ospreay for the junior heavyweight champion of the Final match of his final match of his career, 22 and a half years at Wrestle Kingdom. Okay, let's just calm down. Go, go, what? I would be okay with that. Okay. But it was a hidden blade to the face and a Stormbreaker for Will Ospreay retain, which I thought was a good idea for right now. Yeah, that's all right. It was a good match. Yeah. It was actually a really good match. Yep. And I thought the right person won. Honestly, like... I feel like if El Phantasma won, there would be too many things to wear. Because New Japan likes to put as many championship matches on Wrestle Kingdom as possible. Right. And if one person had both belts, that'd be a lot. Right. So I'm glad that they kept it separate to where Osprey has another contender. Right. For later. Right. Uh, Lance Archer and Juice Robinson. I love this Well, you match. forgot the Chaos versus Bullet Club. No, I didn't. Yeah, you oh, did. I did. So this was Bullet Club, Jay White, the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, the Never Openweight Champion, Kenta, and Yujiro Takahashi versus Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi. Honestly, it wasn't. This I, was a really fun match. It was. I liked it was. This it match. was a fun match, but I think it was kind of a sleeper between these the two matches previous and then the three matches after. It was. There were a lot of great rivalries going into it, which mm-hmm. I really got into. I like the Kenta thing going heel and everything, and I like that story being built up. I can see a couple of. Uh, I like. I like. The I can Godo, see a couple like of the January Godo, shows. Jay White. Yeah. I like the Ishii. Um, Kenta, and where Takahashi was a person who got pinned. So, where Takahashi at this point is not a contender for anything right, right now. Nobody was buried. Nobody was raised up. Other there, are, than there are a couple of January fourth matches that can come out of this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Goto and White would be a great match for January fourth or fifth. 
And then obviously Kenta versus Ishii would be a freaking stellar match. All right. Now we can go to the vacant IWGP United States Heavyweight this was Champion a, match. This, this was a match that changed a lot of it, where Lance Archer versus Juice Robinson. This match was awesome. Oh, my God. They put a great match. I actually said that this was the best match of the night. Yeah, I can, I can, I can see a contendership for Lance that. Lance Archer won the match, yeah. where it was an EBD claw to where Robinson could not kick out, not get out of it. And I, and, can, I can see a rematch almost for this. Oh, yeah. On and, January 4th. And honestly, Archer, I do not mind him being the champion. He has improved so much as a wrestler. It yeah. threw the G1. I even said this the first night. He and Osprey had the best match of the oh, night. Oh, absolutely. It was so good. Yep. And honestly, Archer is like a mile difference to where he was and where he is now. Right. To where I feel like Juice Robinson was the, I feel like the obvious choice, but mm -hmm. with Archer, you put another person in that kind of contention pool. Yep. For both belts, yep. Intercontinental and United States, yep. To where it's perfect, yep. Because he's actually really good. Yeah. He's a great heel. Mm -hmm. He makes kids cry. He makes people hate him, and he looks the part. Right. And he has the wrestling. He has the wrestling to back it up. Right. They had a great match. Yeah, absolutely. And to where it wasn't obviously one person. Both of them put in great work. I loved this match. Right. And cool. I think the right person won to where um, David Finlay returned. Yep. Which I think was great to put him in that same kind of pool to where maybe it'll be a triple threat at Wrestle Kingdom for yeah. the United States belt, and I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. And Finlay was out for a lot of weeks, a lot of months, actually. Yep. A lot of months due to a shoulder injury. Yeah. So, overall... Not a bad thing. No. I love it. I love Archer winning. I love Finley returning. Um, Juice Robinson didn't feel buried. Nope. Perfect. Yep, and I, I definitely can see Finley being, uh, well, obviously, he's the next contender for the States Heavyweight Champion. Right. Which and, we'll probably and, see the January 4th. So. Yeah, right. At this point, we're only focusing on January 4th because the next tours are the Junior Tag League, yeah. and then the Heavyweight Tag League. Right. To where, I mean, I think like... There's, a, there's enough flexibility for some tag... I mean, there weren't any tag team championships on the line. No. So... one, I think like one or two title defenses were confirmed for this, but I don't think the United States Heavyweight Championship was confirmed until January 4th or right. 5th. Which haven't even been confirmed yet. Nope. But that's just obviously assumption. Right. Uh, let's move on here to... Kota Ibushi versus ooh, this, Evil for the IWGP Heavyweight this, Championship this certification. Was a, this was an okay match. It wasn't bad. I love this match. Yeah. I actually like this match. Ibushi and Evil have really sent... Like, put themselves... They have a great history and chemistry. Oh, yeah. Really good. Um, Ibushi to where he was defending this heavyweight champion to where Evil debuted... At this show a couple of years ago right. with Tetsuya Naito joining Los Iguanabes de Japón. And this was a really good match. I swear to God, I don't think Evil or Ibushi could have a bad match. And them together, this was a really fun match. Oh, yes, match. it was. Now, 
I knew who was going to win. Oh, it yeah. was Kota Ibushi with two Komaiyas. And with this win, Ibushi sentiments himself to the IWGP yep. Championship match. He's not defending this contract anymore. Nope. This That's is it. it. And I think Ibushi to go for the heavyweight championship is the right move. Yes. To where I cannot decide who's going to win. Honestly. Well, because this is his first time going for this championship. And then with that, let's go into the caveat of the Okada Sonata IWGP heavyweight championship main event match. Holy crap, this match was fucking awesome. Oh, my God. Can these two not have a bad match? Nope. It was so goddamn good. It was a Mizunoku driver and a Rainmaker for Okada to win. This was a hell of a match. Oh, yes, it was. But the people were behind Sonata almost the entire time. Ibushi has to win this match at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm -hmm. There's no other person... Who can, if Okada wins, he will be the biggest heel in wrestling. Oh, yeah. Because people, I, I think people at this point are sick of Okada as the champion. Well, and I think I think that if, if NJPW was smart, they would see Ibushi as kind of that next generation. He's so good. He came back early from a major concussion. Yes. Against Will Ospreay at the last Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. And that was a great match. I think it was for the Never Openweight Champion, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not 100%. I don't know. I don't think Ibushi was technically a heavyweight after the Cruiserweight Classic, though, mm-hmm. where he did not sign. Ibushi has to win this belt because that sentiment a new person in that higher echelon of the heavyweight division where. New Japan is very picky. Them losing Omega puts a big hole in that entire division. Yeah. To where Ibushi. Well, and I think I think they realized that too. And I right. think that they didn't realize it until Okada left. Not Okada. Um, Omega left. Yep. Once Omega left, I think they realized there was a hole. And that hole needs to be filled, not with older guys, but with a new generation. Right. Where Ibushi, who is still young, very talented. He, he, I can see him have three or four reigns as IWGP. Oh, easily. And easily. then you have, then with these matches, build Sonata, Evil, Naito, Jay White. There's a lot of people who were kind of in that reign. Right. Where even Jay White had a reign with the heavyweight champions where I can see him win this belt again. Right, absolutely. And with a lot of this stuff with Wrestle Kingdom, there is a fight for the first double heavyweight champion. Mm -hmm. To where I could see Jay White winning everything and facing whoever wins on January 4th against the 5th for both belts. Okay. And that would be awesome. Yeah. Because there is a big emphasis on this whole double championship thing with more specifically the IWGP Intercontinental Champion. Right. And I would not mind that, but they have not made that official because a lot of this... Wrestle Kingdom has been focused on Liger. 
Right. Which I think he deserves. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But what I can see going into this show is that we're, we're going to see the end of a lot of old things, but also the beginning of a lot of new things. Right. I don't. I which, don't think. I don't which, think Okada per se, because he. I think he's not even thirty years old at this point. No, no. Okada is that bridge. Okada is going to be that. He he is the bridge, but we need another person in this division because I think Tanahashi is gonna kind of push himself right, out of out. it to where you have White, Ibushi, right. Sonata, Evil, Naito. I mean, there's a lot of people who can go for this belt theoretically and be a possible contender right. to win. Hell, I can even say Lance Archer winning this United States champion could be in that upper echelon of right. IWGP heavyweight championship contenders. Juice Robinson, John Moxley. Now, John Moxley was stripped of the belt due to unforeseen circumstances of the Typhoon. I cannot say for say that he would have lost the heavy the United States Championship mm-hmm. right there and then at King of Pro Wrestling, but he's still in the conversation because he is still an independent contractor no matter what. Right. So, anyways, uh, your thoughts on the show? I think it was a great catalyst to. I loved it. It built a lot of good things right. in not only for January fourth, but years to come as a part of the. Heavyweight Championship and Division. It's been a while since they had a big pay-per-view this late in the game, but I think it's needed. I think it's right. necessary to have. But they cannot have another one at this point. No. They have, no, to, no, be, no. They have to be done to build for Wrestle Kingdom. Tournaments to build up to Wrestle Kingdom, perfect. And with, with, with lower echelon championships right. like the junior heavyweight tag and the tag team. Right, exactly. Which is what they're doing, which is the junior and heavyweight tag team league, which is what they always do. Nobody's affected outside of these divisions. Right. The contract was signed for Okada versus Ibushi yep. and Naito, or I'm sorry, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger has at least one of his retirement matches on January 4th in an eight-man tag. Right. But this is his first. Yep. If they do not make his January 5th match a singles match where he is the focus, even if he loses, I'll be pissed. Yeah. Well, anyways, let's move on here to uh, Bound for Glory. Bound for glory, absolutely. And yes, it was, we're, it was, we're going it, to cover it all in the same because then we have a lot of talk about as a part of the draft, which is very important. Yes. So, we have a lot uh, bound, talk about, bound for glory. Now, we did a show on the comparison of each. What were your thoughts about the show? I was not overwhelmed. No. Um, I thought that King of Pro Wrestling was better. I thought so, too. Now, let's go with the first. Uh, the Call Your Shot Gauntlet, where... I don't know how this happened, but Fight Network, these fucking assholes, just do not know how to do a live show, apparently, to right. where they have problems everywhere, towing from, where we lost, I think, probably at least 20 minutes yeah. of the... Um, call your shot gauntlet. But according to what I saw, it wasn't very interesting anyway. So It wasn't. Um, Eddie Kaylee, Edwards. Now, now Kaylee Ray. Uh, th- this is the one thing. Kaylee Ray. Now, th- there were knockouts as a part of this battle royal. 
to determine the, you know, person to choose any championship match. Right. And Kaylee Ray did this, and I don't know why she was a part of AW. I'm sorry. Who knows? We just roll with it and ignore it. Like, I thought she was a good wrestler, but she's not that smart. Like, this was not a smart move, let's put it that way. No. No way. She probably would have been at least a contender with right. Britt Baker for the Women's World Champion to where now she's in a gauntlet match to where guaranteed she's not going to win. Yeah. But who knows? But Eddie Edwards won. I thought the right person won. Yeah. It was where, a safe win. It was a safe win to where Eddie Edwards could be a great contender for any champion. But will probably be for the world champion. Well, I mean, other than the X Division, who else? Right. Now, I feel like it's the X Division due to who won the X Division championship, but we'll get to that. We'll cross oh, that bridge when we come to yeah. it. yeah. I don't know. Anyways, let's move on to the second match. Uh, Taya Valkyrie versus Tennille Dashwood. I was disappointed. This match sucked. I was very disappointed by it. Also, Taya Valkyrie was compared to... Hang on. Nick Bockwinkle. Jesus Christ. Okay, I did not put it on the couch. Nick Bockwinkle. I was thinking Jesus Christ to that. Oh. I know. It was terrible. Taya Valkyrie was compared by Don Callis of all people. Don Callis. He's a fucking retard. Pretty much. Like... He he is, is, she's not even the best woman on the roster. I mean, who, who's going for the X Division champion, a male champion? Is it her? No. Where she's, uh, where she's trailed by the aftershit of her husband and the Joker combined? Or the girl who's going for the fucking X Division champion? The, the like, one. The oh, I'm I'm the greatest knockouts and knockouts champion in history. No, you're not. I'm sorry. If Tessa Blanchard came down to your level, it'll be a downgrade for Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, pretty much. Not nothing against Taya Valkyrie no, or Tessa Blanchard. Well, they just do. They did not have good chemistry in this match. Now there are some. Or are people, you talking about Neil Dashwood? You're yes. talking about, yeah, Tennille Dashwood did no, not do Tenille well. No, Tennille Dashwood and Taya Valkyrie did not have good, good tem chemistry together. No, absolutely not. Now, there are great wrestlers who do not have good chemistry together. And it's not because they're not bad wrestlers. Right. It's because their styles just clash too differently or too similar right. to have some. We've seen great wrestlers who've had this problem. Right. And now... I mean, obviously, I can't name any. I mean, I can say John Cena and Batista did not have the great chemistry together, even though both of them, like, made the face of their generations. But Valkyrie did win with the road to Valhalla. And it wasn't, I will not say, this was not a garbage match, but it, could, it should have been a lot more than what it was. And that was my opinion. Do you have anything to say, Pina Gallery? Nope. You agree? Yup. Okay. Uh, Michael Elgin and... No, we're, you're skipping another match. The no, North... Not. Oh, yes. The North Rhino RVD and 
Rich Swan, Willie Mack, triple threat for the um, tag team champions. Again, I understand because this match wasn't very good either. I actually like this match. I didn't. This was one of my more favorite matches. It was RV, a spot fest. Now, RVD kicked Rhino in the face and turned heel. I was okay with this. What did he do? I didn't expect it. I like a surprise to where I do not see a surprise. RVD turning heel was a surprise that I did not expect. Well, that happens at pretty much the every North impact one, which we predicted to win. Yep. And with a really cool move, which is the flapjack over into a slam. I right. liked it. Um, it was against Rich Swan Willie Mack, which was the right move to make. Right. RVD turning heel. I did not hate this match. I thought this one of, was one of the better matches of the night. I liked this match. Yeah, there were other matches that might have been a little bit better. Now, with the triple threat tag team match, now we bitched about this before with WWE, but... God, what is with these, like, here, let's have two teams in the ring. Now, in, in a triple threat match, you don't have two people in the match where the other, other person waits for a tag. You have all three people in the match. Why don't you have one person representing each team in the match? Because if if it's for the champion, you would think, oh, well, we'll just leave the third team out of it entirely, which happened for about half the match. Which was retarded. I don't get it. I think that was stupid because they've had fatal four-way tag team matches where one representative with all four was in the match. Because no one is going to tag in the other team. Oh, here, I'll tag you in, give you a chance to win. No. Fuck you. I'll do a blind... I'll do a blind tag. No, no. It should have been three people of opposing teams in this match at all times. Yep. To where it felt like a triple threat match, but to what it was, it wasn't that RVD and Rob Van Dam held their own as to who they are. The North is a great tag team. Yep. And Willie Mack and Rich Swan are great singles competitors who were just put in this tag team match because reasons. They need to build that team up better. This was not offensive to me. I liked this tag team match. Mm -hmm. I thought it was fun. Mm -hmm. Now, Peanut Gallery may have something different due to how the match itself was structured, and I agree with you. But with RVD turning heel, which I did not expect, I was freaked out about that. In the North winning, I thought that was the right call. Yeah. I was not offended. I was not offended. Now, this match, this next match, I was. Michael Elgin and Nomoiki Marafuji. This, this match, was bad. This was slow as fuck. I mean, I almost fell asleep. That's how bad this These match was. These two are some of the greatest wrestlers of all. All of wrestling right now, and they and somehow they pulled off a boring match. Yep. Where Michael Elgin did win. Mm -hmm. He did win. It was a boring match. It was boring. That's it. It was slow. It was plodding. I did not give a rat's ass about this match. Right. And I hate saying that because one of our most acclaimed matches on the last Impact Wrestling pay-per-view was a Michael Elgin match. Right. And Marafuji, we know, is a great wrestler. Exactly. Now, how, this is where to where a two great wrestlers who do not have chemistry with each other just don't have good right. This matches. is this is just one of those things. Right. That's it. 
it's nothing against them. It's just them together. Right. So there's not much to talk about. Now I'm glad that this match predecessed the next match, which was the ladder match for the exhibition champion, where it was Jake Crist, Tessa Blanchard, AC Romero, Daga, and Ace Austin. Ace Austin eventually won that match. Yes. But um, you said that the blob, who was AC Romero, was a blob. This was, I thought, it was an awesome match. It was. It was like something you don't expect. It's it like, was a lot of so, fun. So, so Tiger had a blob winning, and I literally had a woman winning this match. I mean... No, we were both we were both incorrect, but this was a fun match. I it was. Watched, I watched this match. It was a spot fest, but it was a great spot fest. With a six-person ladder match, it has to be a spot fest. Well, it was a five-person, but still, the, the principle remains. Yes, it has to be a spot fest, but they did a... I, I think they did a pretty good job with it. This was a fun match where Tessa Blanchard, even though she did not win, was not buried. Right. J.C. Romero, even though he did not win, he was not buried. Daga was not buried, even though he won the Cruiserweight Championship. I think the person, I think the person who was most buried was Jake Chris, but I mean, even Jake Chris wasn't buried because he had his OVE partners. Right. They interfered a lot in this match. There was a lot of working mechanics to make this match work, and I thought they did this to perfection. Yeah, I liked this match. Yeah, it was. It was probably pretty good. It was. It, it probably compared to some of the Money in the Bank ladder matches, honestly. Also, because we got pizza. Did we get pizza at this match? Yes. Or was it the after it match? Was. Okay. Now, the next match I was really disappointed at. It was it was okay. It wasn't great. Although, Ken Shamrock looks great for his age. Ken Shamrock and Moose. Moose, went, Moose won with the spear. This match was garbage. It was sloppy. It was really sloppy. Ken Shamrock, as a human being of his age, looks fantastic. But you can tell there was ring rust to where Moose was not experienced enough. To carry this person. No. If it was Eddie Edwards versus Ken Shamrock, this would have been that. a great match. Yeah. If it was even Ace Austin. Right. But Moose has only Moose has not been in the business for more than maybe ten years. Yeah. This is not anything against Moose as a competitor. He's a really good wrestler. Right. But he's not that good to carry right. a person like Ken Shamrock. It's, it's hard to do. It's hard to carry someone unless you're really good, and Moose just isn't there. He's not there yet. There's so much potential with this guy, but he's not there right. yet. And there's nothing wrong. He had a match with – who did he have a match with a anniversary? We really praise it. Oh, it was RVD. Yeah, it was. It was a good match. That was an awesome match. Yeah. Because Rob Van Dam is still athletic to carry, and Moose is just good enough to where whoever is good, as long as they're athletic and talented and there, to be there. Ken Shamrock has not wrestled in a regular stance since the 90s. It's been about... 15, 20 years since he was in the ring as a professional wrestler. And that's the beauty about professional wrestling is to where you have to be in a professional wrestling ring and deal with professional wrestlers to be good at professional wrestling. There's no amateur professional wrestling. Right. Either you're good or you're not. Right. Ken Shamrock is almost 60. He looks great for his age. 
and I was freaked out. I'm like, holy shit, he looks better now than he did when he was fucking WWF Intercontinental Champion. Right. But you can tell there was some ring rust on him. Yep. And this match was, I can't say it was bad as part of the athleticism, but there was some really sloppy spots, which was a well, which was a running gag as part of the exactly. show. Yeah. Now, I, I felt like the ladder match should have been before this. I feel like this should have been the middle of the card match before um, Tanil and Taya in the ladder match, but that's hindsight 50-50. Let's go on to the main event, though. This main event was awesome. It was actually pretty good. This was a really good match. Yeah. This was uh, Sammy Callahan and Brian Cage for the Impact World Champion. Holy crap, this match was Oh, my God, yes, it was. Sammy Callahan was built to the perfect position to where he deserved this opportunity yep. and to where they built this rivalry to where um, Brian Cage was like, I will defend this championship against this person because I want to tear his head off. Right. Brian Cage won with the claw hammer into tax. This was no disqualification, which I thought was a right move. Yeah. Um, as a part of whatever happened with uh, Sammy Callahan pile driving Melissa Santos and everything that happened after. Yeah. Sammy Callahan, to be honest, with this build, really showed how awesome he is. Yeah. Not only is he a great wrestler. Yeah. But he is a great promo. Now, that promo where he was like, let me cut character. He, like, tacked everything on there so perfectly. I felt that promo. Yeah. And now, when you can feel somebody's promo, that's when you know you made it. Yeah. There are not a lot of people who can do what Sammy Callahan did. John Cena, Randy Orton, Ric Flair... Harley Race, the Von Erics, to their generation, they made you feel the promo. Right. You felt that you heard Sammy Callahan outside of character right. with that opening promo. Yeah. There was emotion to it. There was something to it. Something clicked to where you felt like this was the main event of the show. Right. And honestly, with the thing with Slammiversary, you had the same thing. Right. Where I did not like it at first, but with the match of how good it was, and I even said it was a great match. Yeah. With Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanchard. Mm-hmm. There was a constant between these two matches, and now Sammy Callahan, mm-hmm. he's just that good. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't have any, you know, nothing else to say about that. That was pretty good. It was like Peanut Gallery, the most person. I mean, he calls it bound for triggered, but this match. The match was great, great, but but still, just there was a lot of things about this that was just triggering. I mean, as a part of the show itself, but I'm talking about the main event. Sammy Callahan, Brian It was a great match. It was just a... It was a great match, great build, where there was emotion behind this. You felt it. Right. Where you were excited to see this match. You could 
you could disconnect your bias right towards everything to enjoy this match and you'd be okay with that yeah and for a face and heel that is something you want to accomplish right and that's what makes sam callahan a loss for wwe right well yeah he was a part of that I understand But he, that. he really, he really came his own after he left. And so, again, it really just goes to show that sometimes the best thing you can do is just to let someone go and forge be, their be that person. Right. right. Absolutely. So that was Bound for Glory. I, I, was, I, I, was, I was engaged from start to finish. Yeah, it was actually a pretty engaging show. It was probably one of their better shows they've done in a while. I swear to God, Impact Wrestling... For the last couple of shows. They get better and better with just engaging the audience. Oh, absolutely. They've been crushing it. I've been loving their shows. Yeah. I mean, even with their build-ups, yeah. they've been doing a lot better. Yeah. The presentation of the show. They're not perfect. I'm not saying that they're perfect, but they are getting better. This is a glo- This is a Ring of Honor five years ago. Yeah. And that's what I love. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> they have a great roster. They have great partnerships. I'm digging it. And I can see. I can see nothing but good things yeah. at this point. Yeah. With Impact Wrestling, which I love. Because the more places to where people can work, the better it is. Right. Overall. So, with that being said, I want we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts about King of Pro Wrestling if you watched it? We, I will say, it's worth going out of your way to watch. Especially the last four matches. Yeah, even if you only have time to watch the last four matches, watch them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're great. Um, and then Bound for Glory. I will say watch it. The entire thing, the entire show was fun. Yeah. It was a fun show. So, anyways, when we come back, because obviously we don't want to need to know about how fun the show was. We already had described this. Right. Let's talk about... We're going to talk about the draft. And any other miscellaneous news items that we had thought about or had come across. And uh, so we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we'll continue on. Right. Absolutely. So uh, go ahead and do whatever you need to do. And we'll be right back.
And we are back with the results of the draft. Oh boy. This is the WWE draft to where the this wild the, the wild card rule will not exist after this point. God, this draft sucked. I was underwhelmed. It was very underwhelming. All it right. Was under, it was underwhelming, but I felt like they balanced it right. To where SmackDown did not get all the best wrestlers, to where Rock and built some good stuff, and we see the trajectory of what each show is about. All right, so just if, if you have the... Pull up the draft in front of you. Okay, I have no fucking idea. Hang on. Okay, so what we're gonna do is we are we're not gonna go through person by person as to what the draft was. We're so the draft essentially how it worked was everyone became essentially a free agent, and each brand was able to choose wrestlers um, for their draft. So for every Three raw picks, SmackDown got two because of the length of the shows. Right. Um, so with everyone starting, there were a ton of people who maintained their position, but there were some people who switched. And so what I want to do is to not go over each and every single draft pick because a lot of them were pretty much the same and no one really cares to start with. So but, over, but look at so, some highlights, so over, highlights so, and lowlights. All right, so overall... This was the amount of people who were drafted to each show and vice versa. For the men of Raw, there were 24 overall picks in the initial draft. For SmackDown, there were 16. For women, it was 9 for Raw and 5 for SmackDown Live. For tag teams specifically... There were three, there were three pairs okay. and six pairs for SmackDown Live. Okay. And then the remaining superstars, there were some undrafted, undrafted, and you know, undrafted men, women that we figured out later. Blah blah blah. Um, I thought that some of these picks were the right calls. Okay. As a part of overall things. So what what were your what were some of your highlights with major switches or people who stayed um, that were right? What what did you think were some of the highlights? The fiend to SmackDown I thought was big. Okay, was As it part good of or bad? Good. I think it's great. To where I can see with what happened after the fact with Seth Rollins. To where he, where the fiend needs to be on SmackDown at this point. I, I hate Seth Rollins, but the fiend needs to be in the main event scene to where he's not buried. I can go for another hour and a half about the Hell in a Cell bullshit and the um, false count anywhere match for the Universal Champion at Crown Jewel. To where it is, Seth Rollins and the Fiend Bray Wyatt. And see, that's where I think that the draft has it wrong. I think the Fiend should have stayed on Raw because it feels... They're just backing themselves into a corner again. Well, they are, but that's their fault. Now, Roman Reigns saying on SmackDown, Brock Lesnar on SmackDown, Becky Lynch on Raw, Lacey Evans on SmackDown. There are a lot of people who 
I think are in the right position to where I set the example. Uh, the Revival on SmackDown, uh, the OC in general are on Raw. There are a lot of people who I thought were the right choice. Splitting up Luke Harper and Eric Rowan was the wrong choice. I thought that was stupid. Eric Young should have gone to SmackDown. Bob Roode and Dolph Ziggler, I don't mind them going to SmackDown. As long as they stay on that show. They cannot do interbreeding blah 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 anymore. They can't. It would ruin the value of the rosters that they set. Okay. Um, so any, anything that you thought, any, any other thoughts you had about any changes or similarities um, or Bailey turning full fledged heel to where they actually debuted a new theme song for Bailey on the life circuit is fantastic. And them setting Nikki cross at least to being the new number one contender for the SmackDown Women's Champion to where Charlotte Flair is not just automatically the number one contender because of Charlotte Flair. is perfect. They need to reset the women's divisions on both shows overall. To where, I mean, obviously there will be Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, and Bayley but they need to bring up new people in the six-pack challenge to where I've heard nothing but great things about the match itself. Right. Nikki Cross set herself to be a main player as a part of the number one contender scene or even the championship scene in general for the SmackDown women's roster. Okay. Uh, the Revival going to SmackDown, being the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Makes sense. Perfect. Okay. Um, so just one or two more, if you have any. Let's see here. Um, I'm surprised that the Hardy Boys, or even Matt Hardy in general, was not drafted. Oh, yeah, there were a lot of people who weren't drafted. Now, that, that, now that was the only one that I thought was incredibly annoying. But he's not wrestling much anyway, so... Well, he's doing more independent circuit stuff instead of whatever. And I get about Jeff Hardy, but, I mean... They're still yeah. the Hardys. They're, they won't be drafted until they come back. A lot of these people, they're just injured. They're just not going to be drafted until they come back and figure out what Now, Ankem and Rizar to Raw to where they were separated. No, they weren't. Yeah, they were. They never were. Yes, they were. Nope. They were free agents, and they were drafted to Raw separately from everything. But they both signed to Raw at the same time. Yes. No, they... As AOP, they were signed to Raw, but nobody else. They were not drafted. They were not traded. Oh, yeah. There were a lot of people who should have been traded and drafted that were not. The bullshit with um, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss was nonsense. But with the, thing, with the thing with AOP, of how they really booked them, it made them feel like bigger stars than what they were. Right. So... um so let's uh, go on to me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, let's go with you. Okay. What were your thoughts of the draft? Who do you think was the right choice? Who do you think was the wrong so choice? This, okay, so let me start off here. The Fiend Bray Wyatt was a bad choice. He should have stayed on Raw, especially since he is going after a Raw World Championship. 
at Crown Jewel. Yeah, at least, which, which at means least nothing. Right, but at least keep him on there until afterwards. I mean, don't draft him to SmackDown because then the problem is, is that oh, well, of course he's gonna lose because he's a SmackDown superstar. Well, hello, they did that to themselves. I know they're set. They've set themselves up from the beginning to if fail. If Seth at this. Rollins stayed, remember Seth Rollins was in the match before. Right. He was in. He was the captain of Hulk Hogan's right. team for whatever. If Bray Wyatt faced Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel, that would have made more sense, and I wouldn't have had a problem with it. Right. But anyways, let's let's go on. So I think that um, moving uh, Kevin Owens to Raw was a was a mistake as well. Right. I would have kept him on SmackDown. Um. What about Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander? Don't have an issue with it. Okay, what about Ali staying on SmackDown? Don't have an issue with it. No. Um, and then keeping the specific champions on their show, so U.S. champion Raw and SmackDown champion to SmackDown. Not have a problem with it. Now, now Randy Orton moving to Raw, I don't think was the right move. I, I don't think, think so he should have. I think he should have made. Should have stayed on SmackDown. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's what see. About, what about the fate? Of the 24-7 championship. Don't care. Uh, Charlotte Flair, I think she should have stayed on SmackDown. No, wait, wait, wait. As part of the 24-7 champion, there was a separation with R-Truth and Carmella and then Drake Maverick, who you could say was an instrumental part of the comedy act as a part of the 24-7 champion. He's going to SmackDown. You drafted SmackDown. It's not going to be affected. I don't care. This is a comedy act. They'll appear on both brands anyways. How do you know that? That was a that was a USA Network decision to bring this championship. Yeah, exactly. So what's going to... Fox! Fox doesn't give a fuck. Unless they pay Fox or Fox pays USA Network money... But I feel like that's a conflict of interest. I don't know how they're going to deal with it, Adam. Uh, Tiger Height, they're, they're just backing themselves up into the situation, okay? I don't really care at this point. What if they discontinue the entire 24-7 champion concept? That would be a mistake. I'm sorry. What, what, what is the most talked about championship yeah, in so all of wrestling other than Seth, Roll Seth Rollins bitching on Twitter by hundreds of thousands on each social media, unique of each, is a 24-7 champion scene because our truth Drake Maverick, again, Carmel, again, they made this championship again, so relevant. Again, they're probably going to kill the concept. It's a mistake. Of course it's a mistake, but that's probably what's happening. If the USA Network was smart, even if it's just for Raw and on the YouTube or... Facebook channels to where I feel like YouTube and Facebook would not. But why do you think it's somehow affected? It's I either they're gonna find some way to get they're they're gonna be on every brand anyways. So who cares? Okay, who the hell cares? A lot of people do. There's a reason why every single every single episode of everything else on WWE Network gets. 100, 200,000. I'm not talking years. about the damn 24-7 champion. I'm talking about the fact that people are so butthurt about R-Truth and Carmella breaking up. If they really wanted to keep the comedy act going, it doesn't matter because the 24-7 is not exclusive to one brand. Right, no, that's fine. But my caveat is the 
SmackDown was on what channel before they moved to Fox? USA. Okay. So, but who was who? What? Who were the people that wanted this championship? USA. Do you think they have exclusive rights to this championship outside of cable television? No. I think was I think what's gonna happen again. I think what's gonna happen is they're gonna kill the champion. That's it. That's it. They're gonna kill it. That's a mistake. Of course it is, but that's what they're gonna do. They're retarded. If if USA and Fox cannot get along, then they're gonna kill the champion. That's it. They're done. If it bye it bye. That's it. But why do you say that? The twenty four seven champion was defended more on Raw than on SmackDown. But mo- so the majority why are you so butthurt about Carmel no, and our truth being broken up? No, that's not my problem. Well, what's your problem? My problem is that, okay, our truth was drafted to Raw. Yes. With the 24-7 champion. Perfect, fine, whatever. Okay, then, then what the, else? The majority of their stuff was the stuff. It wasn't Carmel and our truth It was our truth in Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick was okay, the and, was, was and the and most the issue that you have that they're no longer together. Drake Maverick is exclusive to Fox's SmackDown, unless they're well, like, hey, not, not the twenty four seven champion, twenty four seven champion. If he's going, if he's gonna go for the twenty four seven champion, he has every right to be on whatever brand he damn well pleases. It won't change. And honestly, that, I, I that think, act I, is I, getting I, I old think, anyways. I think, I think based on how this championship originated, I think Fox, to where they want this show to be, they're not will be directed right differently. Yeah, they're not going to want that. I think that's a mistake, though. But I don't care if it's a mistake. This is, this is the beauty about professional wrestling, is that there is a certain caveat of what is popular. The 24-7 champion got hundreds, if not millions, of unique visitors on every other social media and every talking point of every show. That's me. Sorry. I just don't understand why you're so – there's nothing to be angry about. I'm not angry about it. I'm just – I'm trying to formulate a discussion – with you, but you're not formulating a very good discussion. That's my problem. My discussion is of what is the fate of this championship. Either is do you, do you think that Fox, with their knowledge of it being their main competition, who created this championship, will say we do not want this championship on our show, despite it having the highest ratings of Every segment that, of Raw in the last six months. That, that was not your question. Your question, I think. This is my you, question. You, you started with, why are they splitting up Carmella and R-Truth and Drake Maverick? The problem is, is because the entire concept of the 24-7 champion got stale pretty quickly. So what they need to do with it is R-Truth needs some new comp- needs some new comedy bits, essentially, is, is what it all falls down to. That's it. Okay, so and, if I if, so so if I go on YouTube, Facebook, and everything, it will it, it will balance itself out to where every other segment is just as much as the twenty four seven champion. Maybe I don't know. 
I can guarantee you that it's not. Of course I've not. seen it. Do you see the logic of WWE? There is no logic with this. R-Truth is holding a 24-7 champion, which is a novelty toy at this point in time. And the thing is, is that they want to move him from SmackDown to Raw because it's a 24-7 champion. SmackDown doesn't want I'm, it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not. Fox disagree. doesn't I'm, want no, it. No, no, wait, 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 wait. Hands up You were talking about why they were splitting up. No. Carmel and R-Truth. No, no. No one cares about. No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Is that there was another person who was a part of this trio, and that was Drake Maverick. But his comedy act ended weeks before this. No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. It was, it was pretty much done. If you put Drake Maverick and R-Truth in the match, I guarantee you that and would be the most talked about thing of all of wrestling for of the course, next week. Of course it would, but it's, it's pretty much run its course. It's done. It's over. There's, there's no more Over material. literally everything else, including Okada and Sonata. Again, again, Tiger Height, it is all about what... There's there's just not, there's nothing left in that gas tank. It needs to be filled up with something new. And if Fox doesn't want the 24-7 champion, then guess what? Eventually, they're just going to kill the whole concept of it. As a part of SmackDown, obviously... But Raw, is gonna, Raw would get rid of it eventually. Now... We have had, according to inside sources, of what each show is clearly supposed to be, to where Raw is more focused on storylines and blah, blah, blah points, 24-7 champion, which was like the highest rated thing of all of wrestling for the last, at least a part of WWE, for the last couple of months. And you can't deny that. Okay, I'm not denying it, but get on with your point. My point is, is that R-Truth, as being the 24-7 champion, has lost big portions of his comedy act without a replacement. Yep. That's going to kill this championship, which is going to suck because a lot of people enjoy this championship. Yeah, but guess what? Even, the, even uh... if it's not a championship... The hardcore champion had a steady base of people going for this championship no matter what because it was the most popular thing. It was the most talked about thing of all of wrestling no matter what. Even to this day, people look back and say, hey, the hardcore champion was a great concept because it was the 24-7 rule. This 24-7 champion, which people denied from the beginning because of how it looked, now it's the thing that carries the company on a social media standpoint and even celebrities have gotten into this fucking so belt. what do you want to do with this? I am worried that with the absence of two very important aspects of the general shtick of this championship without a replacement directly where Drake Maverick or Carmella pass the torch. It, it, but who's to say that they're not going to be involved? Why do you think they're somehow no longer going to be involved? Fox's direction with the company as an overall standpoint is more physically based. But why can't they say, yeah, do your comedy shtick with... Our truth. I mean, our truth. I, I, I mean, I, our, I our truth already had a title for fourteen days. It's pretty much dead at this point. 
I can't say that. I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be surprised if Archuleta had it for six months before they decided to retire it. I can't say that. Per, okay, here's my thing. I cannot say this for an absolute fact that the title is dead and buried as it sits right now. I've never claimed or nor denied it. But you're but, thinking that somehow. But you're thinking that somehow because Carmella and Drake Maverick are on a new brand just means that there's nothing for our truth. No, it it doesn't mean anything. No one cares what brand it's on because the twenty four seven can be defended on any brand. No one cares. Fox's direction of SmackDown. If Fox, if Fox wants to do something with SmackDown, then great. Fox so, has paid a billion dollars a year for this. Yeah, for a piece of shit. But my point. This is SmackDown. Their direction, their focus is more athletically based. There's a reason why they took the belt off of Kofi. Okay, so so again, so again, again. There's a reason why King Velasquez and Brock Lesnar were King Velasquez. Be Lesnar in a legitimate fight in the first round of a UFC for the UFC championship. It's the main event for the WWE champion. Again. again. They're focused on more athletic competition. Great. Where the 24-7 champion is based on character development and comedy. So there we go. So that's the end of the 24-7's check. Right I can't there. say that per se, though. I think what it if, is. What if Fox says, hey, we need a little, like, then great. We'll we, just, we, need, we need a little injection. Then you I, just inject a little bit of our truth in I'm, there. I'm, I'm not not big deal. No, I'm not saying... Here is my point. I am not saying... Your point's dead in the water. No, I'm not. No, it's not. What is my point? Tell me what my point is. You Go were, ahead. You were Go ahead and say it. You're, you're trying to figure out why why Carmella no. and our truth are all of a sudden split up. No. It doesn't matter. No, that's incorrect. Well, then what's your point? My point is due to the fact that Fox has made a clear and obvious emphasis on the athletic competition of professional wrestling will be a detriment to the 24-7 champions base point, which is not athletic competition, but comedy. Yes, it will be. Do you yes. believe... Yes. That it will affect the 24-7 yes. champion yes. in any way, shape, or form. Yes. 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 I do, I do yes. not think. I do not think so because I think it's still too early to assume because we just finished the week of the draft. Okay, so let's move on. We're done talking about this whole shtick. But this is this is a part of the point. It's the draft. Yeah. Our point is a draft. Yeah. Roman Reigns, I think, is on the right place. Okay. Our truth as a 24-7 champion is in the right place. Even if he wasn't 24-7 champion, he's in the right place. Why? Because he is enhancement talent at this point. Okay. He will he will bring up any superstar you give him. Right. Because he's like in his in his mid fifty or his mid forties, yep. pardon. And there's nothing wrong with that. And he looks great for his age. Yep. He's a great comedy act. Okay, we understand that. So he's in the right this place. That's it. Peanut Gallery, you need to shut the fuck up and realize that... You're we're... trying to drag something out that's already long enough as it is. No, I'm not. I'm just saying of... Because I haven't even talked about some other picks that I had in mind. Okay, who are your other picks that you have in mind as a part of each show? Alistair Black should have stayed on SmackDown. I don't believe that. Why not? 
because Alistair Black as a part of a character is a character. And Rock cannot just have all comedy-based superstars because then it makes Raw, the longest-reigning episodic television show in history, okay. look like a total and complete joke. It just can't happen. There had to be compromises. And Alistair Black to Raw is one of those. Okay, so what about the fact that so Paul Heyman, so Paul Heyman, as an individual, he is the executive director of Raw, but he appears on SmackDown. Do you think that Paul Heyman should have been, should have replaced Eric Bischoff and have Bruce Pritchard on Raw? Yes, I think Paul Heyman should have been SmackDown's executive producer, right? To where whoever it is, Eric Bischoff, Bruce and Pritchard it's, it's, being Raw, right? And it's just because it's just because Brock Lesnar is. The ad, uh, or he's he is being paid directly by Fox. Right. He is not being paid by WWE. Oh, Brock Lesnar. Yes. Oh, really? Okay. He is being paid by Fox. Fox requested him to be on SmackDown personally, and without without Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar is not Brock Lesnar. He cannot be by himself right. at this point because people will associate Paul Heyman. With Brock Lesnar right. at this stage of his career. Right. That's a victim of circumstance. Right. I cannot say per se on the backstage thing about who is who in what position of what position. Right. So um, going going off of the whole draft, there were a lot of supplementary picks. There were a lot of post-draft trades and free agents. What what do you think of all that? I mean, I think a lot of that is just bullshit. I think so, too. And the reason I say that is because, you know, they realized that Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were on Raw, which had a very strong Raw, you know, had a very strong women's division, and then, oh, let's trade you to SmackDown because we need people. Um, I, I think it was... I don't think that moving them was the wrong move. I think placing them on Raw in the first place was a bad move. But were they both on Raw or were they both on SmackDown? They were both on SmackDown. Nikki Cross won the six-pack challenge on SmackDown. No, no, I was saying before the draft even started, were they They on Raw? They were both on Raw. They were Raw. So they should have gone to SmackDown from the get-go. They were on. They are on SmackDown. It doesn't matter. And and both of them were... They were were a post-draft trade, though. No, they weren't. Yeah, they were. Oh yes, they were they were post draft yes. trade, but to be honest, with this trade whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. To no. be honest, now I, I hate having two instrumental people as a part of a post draft trade as a part of that, but it's like who else was in this draft? It's like Cesaro, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, uh, the Iconics, blah blah blah. Are were a part of that post-match trade and honestly, signing, whatever. It feels like no one really cared. I mean, I'm, 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 I think I'm, I think half those people are on their way out, or they're on their way to another brand, anyways. Right. Yeah, you, know, you kind of like have Cesaro, who's on his way to NXT. You have, you know, pretty much well, Luke I, I Harper, can't, who's I, on I, his I way can't, out. I can't say that per se. The thing with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan was the thing that pissed me off the most. Because I feel like Luke Harper and Eric Rowan should have stayed a tag team no matter where they went. I feel like I, I feel like yes, Luke Harper or I'm sorry, Eric Rowan deserves his own push and Luke Harper I 
they think they should be a powerful force as a part of a right. main event tag team scene because they're they're good as a team. Right, but I think that Luke Harper's on his way out. I don't think there's any denying that he That's is. why he's on SmackDown, right. because at least there, it's not a, the biggest of deals. And they said from the get-go that Raw's going to have more people than SmackDown. Right. I don't deny that, but at the same time, why draft people who are intentionally may or may not leaving to where there are people who are going to be staying for the long term, such as Cesaro, such as the Chris. What about the Colognes? Do they not have a couple of months in their contracts? Right. No, I think I think the Colognes are on the way out too. There are a lot of people. I feel like they should have just yeah. They should have just whoever they drafted should say okay. They're going to be on free agency unless they sign a new deal. That's it. Thing with Luke Harper, unless he signed a new deal with the company, he should not be on any roster. Right. So, um, you know, anyways, your your thoughts on the draft just overall? I love it. I love the fact that they have established a direct line between Raw and SmackDown. There's no wild card. There's no nothing. Every person is on the roster of the choosing for a reason, and they made it feel as though Fox or USA wanted these people on there to think that there is a channel warfare between the two rosters. I do not have a problem with the choices. I do not have a problem with the changes, and I feel as though that each roster is stronger with an established people on each show. I do not want to see Shinsuke Nakamura on Raw. I don't want to see Brock Lesnar on Raw. I don't want to see Roman Reigns on Raw. As the same, I don't want to see Seth Rollins or fucking the War Raiders on SmackDown because I feel like that would water down the show. And I feel with... Knowing that Fox wanted specific people on the show that they have signed a billion-dollar contract with, and they played as a part of that, will establish those people on that show and nowhere else. And I'm okay with that. Okay. You, as Peanut Gallery, what are your thoughts? I was disappointed. Okay. And the reason I was disappointed was because I thought there would have been a bigger shakeup with the roster than was actually there. And I think what they did with the, especially the free agents that were there for the long haul, I think that they did a great disservice. I think that there should have been conditional contracts in place. It's like, hey, I want to claim the Usos once they come back. And then I want to claim the Hardys once they come back. And I I really feel like it should have been more randomized than it was. And I think that there were a lot of trades that were missed opportunities and a lot of trades that should not have happened, especially, you know, for example, like the, the Bray Wyatt one where he's obviously going for the main Raw championship, so why would you move him to SmackDown so soon? They should have waited for The Fiend. You know, they, they should have been like, I'm going to conditionally have The Fiend on SmackDown, 
provided these things don't happen. Now, you're you're now the, here here's my here's my problem with your theory is that you are under the assumption that any rivalry is going to be prefaced under this whole crown jewel or blood money for whatever to where because it's obvious that Bray Wyatt's not going to win the writing's on the wall now we've, we've established that obviously he's not but at the same time this whole Saudi Arabia thing it's its a glorified house show but they're, they treat it like a Wrestlemania pay-per-view you would think that you would think that there'd be some aura of mystery at least leading into it because now it's like, well, obviously he's not going to win. But what if they said, "I will put him on SmackDown if he loses." Loser, loser goes to SmackDown essentially. Winner gets the okay, top I, Raw I, championship. I can, There's I can see, an aura of mystery around that, like who's going to lose, who's going to win. I can see where you're coming at, but at the same time, is that this whole crown jewel thing is different because. It is what it is. Right. It's a glorified house show. But at the same time, there were that was a missed opportunity. It's US, a, miss, it's a US, missed opportunity. USA but it, and Fox could have been like, let's do an aura of mystery around this guy. Just, just, just remember, every contextual obligation is a part of every other show is yep. a part of this. The X vs. Brothers Destruction, uh, Buddy Murphy vs. Cedric Alexander. It's like, who fucking cares? This is a glorified house show like Starcade. Right. I mean, as a part of context. Obviously, the Saudi Arabia shows have hundreds of millions of dollars more behind them than every other show, every other pay-per-view is a part but, of but what if But what if Seth Rollins wins? I mean, what if Bray Wyatt wins? What if The Fiend wins? He's not going to. Again. It's, like, it's, it's, again. it's, a, house, it's a house show. Again. That's it's a house show. That's the point, though. The point is, is that now you've just pretty much made it obvious. You and I have been house shows where I remember our first our first house show together. It was Edge, Rob Van Dam, and John Cena for the WWE Championship in a triple threat match. Edge was obviously going to win because they had promoted the pay per view the week after as Edge as a leading champion. It didn't matter. The same thing with the Saudi Arabia show. Other than vacant championships I, to where I they've don't. established to where who is going to win, obviously. What other things? The WWE World Cup. What about the Greatest Royal Rumble? What happened with those? Nothing. They're glorified house shows. But again, you're getting rid of the... The, the mystique of people are not going to watch this anyways, but then you give people another reason to not care. Right. So what's what's your deal? That, that is that, that that's, that's WWE's thing, thing is that they're trying to – unfortunately, they cannot get out of the value of the Saudi Arabia shows. What is the best way to not fucking care because they already have the money from these Saudi Arabia shows to – disvalue the importance of these shows. That's what they're doing with this. We're going to put this title match on. You do not have a say who wins because that's not a part of the contract. Seth Rollins could fucking face Kurt Hawkins for the Universal Champion because of some weird bullshit on a random house show and it doesn't matter. The fact is is that that is 
a Saudi Arabia show that Saudi Arabia has signed and they have at least some kind of dictation of what happens, but in the part of the contract, they have no say on who wins or loses the match. Okay. That's why Braun Strowman's facing Tyson Fury at this show. Right. Nobody cares. That's why King Velasquez, who's had not even three professional wrestling matches going for the WWE Championship at Saudi Arabia, not a Survivor Series, not at any other pay-per-view that actually people give a fuck about. He's doing it at a show nobody cares about. Well, anyways, I, I think we've kind of overstayed our welcome here, but um, is there anything else that we want to discuss besides the pay-per-views and the draft at this point? Any major news, anything like that? I mean, other than the draft, um, the fact that the um, the uh, the parent company of NJPW, Bushy Road, buying stardom, Ah, uh, yes. That's a big one. That is. Now, now that's, that's very important for a lot of reasons. Now, I don't know what they're We can probably thinking. discuss that at a later show. Yeah, definitely. But um, it, it, it's, it's a big acquisition that it's I think huge. that has been brushed under the rug. Um, I mean, really, what we're really looking at is the buildup to uh, the Saudi Arabia show in two weeks. Yep. The fact that our last show did really, really well, actually. Yeah. Which I'm very happy but about. But any other... I didn't see anything major. Other other than Bound for Glory yeah. and King of Pro Wrestling, because this is leading to Wrestle Kingdom, and a lot of people are really focused on New Japan, the tournament following, and Wrestle Kingdom, really, at this point, because we're two months away. Yeah. And that's the biggest show, debatably, Depending on who you are, if right. you if you think that fucking Survivor Series is gonna be Wrestle Kingdom, you're fucking crazy. As a part of importance, I mean, other than that, there's really nothing much that I saw per se. Yeah. There was no wrestler who died, nobody who killed anybody. Blah blah blah. Right. Um, other than the um, birthday of Sapphire and the anniversary of Dusty Rhodes' death. There wasn't really a whole lot nope. as a part of wrestling news. So I think overall it was been pretty slow, and that's why we really had a focus on the draft and the pay-per-views for today. So what's next week's big topic? Have we discussed that? I don't think we have. I think we did. It's not Saudi Arabia. That's the week after. Right. And even then, we'll probably be on the road for the most part, but we're gonna probably do a show. No, we'll, we'll do. That'll be our. That'll probably. Now that won't be our last show before we're out. But um, no, we'll we'll be on the road then. Well, no, we no, won't. No, we won't because we'll have. We'll, that will be so. The week after. So the the week. So the twenty seventh. Um, we don't have a topic assigned. The third, we'll talk about WWE in Saudi Arabia along with the Saudi Arabia show. Yes. And, that and then be, the week and of the 10th will be our last show before we're on the road for a week or two while we're making our transition to Las Vegas. Yes. Um, if none of you realize – or if none of you know, obviously we'll tell you now. Uh, Peanut Gallery and I are relocating to Las Vegas, Nevada for – 
I would say a multitude of reasons. A multitude of reasons, but more especially, at least as a part of me, because I like to be transparent. Um, personal development. Yes. I think I I know I needed a change in my personal life, and I think this move will be great. And honestly, I'm very excited. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited to show because honestly. Las Vegas is a huge capital for wrestling and will be going to a lot more shows as a part of Ring of Honor, um, WWE, WWE New, Japan, New Japan, AW, whatever is going to be there, we're tr going to try to get to those shows because it's going to be a lot of fun and I think it's going to be very important even it's like, hey, we're going to do a show. Hey, we just, we like physically went to that show and we talked to some people. Yeah. So, anyways, um, let us know if you have any ideas. Um, otherwise, I think we got a couple things in the pipeline. But again, next week is pretty much open. We'll we'll have a discussion more probably Monday or Tuesday about what we're doing. But we will definitely have a great topic for you um, next tweet, week as tweet usual. It, tweet at us at m at at m peanut gallery or at tiger height for any possible discussions or you can direct message myself at tiger height or at majestic underscore production on instagram for any future shows that you want us to talk about um try not to be like top tens or countdowns or whatever we try not to stay away from that well you do i hate those everyone I mean, hates un those un un unless there's like a major discussion with a couple of people's part of it maybe we will but it's it's like a very rare occasion but give us like a topic of a debate or a um, major topic as a part of pro wrestling MMA we don't care we'll cover it so um, also we are aware of the Patrick Gay knockout death um, our thoughts go out to his family obviously because it's combat sports we talk about it and I feel like it's important. So, yes. All right. Well, anyways, thank you so much. And if you want to follow us on the social media that you are listening to us on, we really appreciate the support. And thank you so much for our sponsor, DraftKings. DraftKings and Anchor, to where you can follow the links down below in the description of each platform to where you can sign up or um, if you're a DraftKings person, you can go to Fantasy um, uh, Playoff Hockey or Fantasy Football, which are actually open right now as a part of who you think. Obviously, baseball is closed, and that was closed since, I think, like two weeks before we were sponsors of them. So look out for next year. And as always, be majestic. Thank you for listening to the Pro Wrestling Zone Podcast, a Majestic Production. If you enjoyed this program, feel free to follow us on all social media platforms. Links in the description section of wherever you're watching this. We are on all channels. We will be doing this once at least a week, and we will let you know when we go live. Also, if you want to support us further and get great exclusive content, including watch parties, merchandise, signings, and any and all future shows, become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash majestic P. That again is patreon.com forward slash majestic P. 
Thank you guys for watching. Enjoy the rest of your day, evening, or morning. And as always, be majestic.